Hello, podcasters. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not Podcast. This is episode number 29. We're so glad you're tuning in. And actually, last month, we forgot to mention, was our birthday. Happy birthday to us. So have a piece of cake on us. We have been here for a year. We're a year old. Yay. We hope that you've been with us, listening all along. And if you've just joined us, welcome. And we're so glad you're here. And I wanted to read a review that we recently got um, on our Apple iTunes reviews. It says, I love the personal stories shared in the podcast with transparency, faith, and humor. Jill and Robin lead the discussions well and in a relaxed and comfortable manner. You will be encouraged and inspired by the amazing stories shared in this podcast. And that's from MM6494. Thank you, MM6494, for that awesome review. Thank you very much for that. So when you go on and give us a review and a rating, that kind of bumps up things so that other people, are. it's easier for them to find us. So if you would not mind doing that, we would really appreciate it. So today, we get to talk to some amazing people who have spent their entire lives serving the Lord. Their names are John and Jenny, and to protect all the many people that they have served over the many countries they have served in, we're just going to call them by their first names. And we are so happy that they get to share with us their heart today. It's something that they told us in their interview just warms my heart. The very first meaningful conversation they shared was when they were both investing in and helping someone who could easily have been looked over and marginalized by society. It just marks them. That's what they do. That's their heartbeat. I'm so glad that we got the chance to sit down with them and talk to them. John has literally been in 90 countries all over the world, and we got to sit in Owasso and talk with him and Jenny. It was pretty cool. They are adorable, and you are going to absolutely love them. So listen in. Thank you so much, John and Jenny, for coming and sharing with us. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting us. So tell us a little bit about yourselves. Like, how did you meet and and the ministry that you do? Well, um, we met, um, actually, can't remember when we met. Um, John's family lived overseas, and they came to my hometown every four or five or six years. And so somewhere... In childhood, along through there, we met. Your dad was our pastor. That's right. But I do remember the day that we really, we really met. Um, I was babysitting for a Down syndrome child, and we were in the park. And Norman um, was so special to me. I got to stay with him for six weeks at a time while his parents went for cancer treatments. But in wow. the in the 70s, um, people didn't uh, like to be around children who mm-hmm. were different, as if you could catch something like that, mm-hmm. as if it were contagious. So I'm in the park playing with Norman, and John comes up, and he plays so sweetly with my little fella, and he... Um, and I noticed anything to get a date, right? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever and, works. And I noticed his blue eyes, and that was it. Would that have been when you were a teenager? 
Well, actually, I was already teaching school, and um, that was the deal. John's owed his roommate some money, and (laughs) I didn't know Uh, it, but his roommate told him that if he could get a date with me, he would let him off. (laughs) He thought it was a pretty high deal, and the likelihood I would owe him more money, actually. He didn't think that she would have the bad judgment to go out with me. (laughs) So after we were married, I found out that I'm worth $90. But it's in the 70s, so you know. (laughs) With inflation and all that, you'd probably buy a house. (laughs) (laughs) So... Um, from that, we became friends, and uh, before long, was a, it, it seemed meant to be that God mm-hmm. um, was bringing us together for His purposes. So, and as we married uh, a couple of years later, um, then we had the privilege to. Uh, I continued teaching school, and he was a probation and parole officer. And before long, God worked in his heart, and he felt that there's more to uh, life than that he could help people better mm-hmm. than just through being a probation officer. Um, that people really have deeper needs that are spiritual. So we went off to seminary, and he was going to be a counselor. Now, my father was a minister, and I always said I could not be a pastor's wife. You did? Well, doesn't God have a sense of humor? He certainly does. So we traipsed off to a seminary in another state. and Did you go to Fort Worth? Yes, oh, exactly. Yeah. That's where my husband got his seminary degree, too. And um, he wasn't there a full probably two weeks before he knew he needed to switch from counseling to the MDiv program. And, of course, he didn't tell me for a while. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, listeners, if you're wondering, what does MDiv mean? It's the Masters of Divinity. So that's what he was working towards at seminary. And, of course, I'm sure you were thinking, wait a second, I feel a little tricked. (laughs) I didn't know that we were doing this. Exactly. But then God began to work in both of our hearts, and we um, we were the needs of the world, people around mm-hmm. the world who uh, had no chance to hear about Jesus Christ. Those were very heavy on our hearts. So um, John became the pastor of a small church in North Carolina, and every summer I would go with the youth to youth camp, and you had to, you got to choose your um, breakout time, mm-hmm. and every year they gave me missions, and I'm like, oh, not again. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, one year I got uh, I wasn't assigned to missions. I was I got sign language, and I'm like, yes, finally I can do something real. And Do you actually use sign language? Do you know it? Oh no, no. This was to learn. This was to learn sign to learn language. Okay. Oh. So, on the, um, we were learning the signs to a song, and it was, "Will Will you be the one to take his light into a darker world? Tell me, will you be the one? Will you stand when others around you fall?" So I went, "Oh yeah, okay, God." 
I've listened to lots of classes on missions, but now you have, you're intending for me to answer to this call. Mm-hmm. So that was the beginning of our uh, journey in, in going across the ocean to um, wow. share with others. So was God moving in John's heart at the That's same what I was time? Do. You I and I were thinking. <laughs> I think he was waiting on God to work in my heart. Okay. So were you already kind of going that direction? Yeah, I think the Lord had given me a heart for Muslim people for a long mm-hmm. time before that, and um, and we were moving down that pathway. Um, Jenny's gift is, mine is, let's charge ahead. Mm-hmm. She, her gift is, well, maybe you ought to ask a few questions about what you're going to do before you go down the pathway. And it's worked out quite well for us over the years. So once she got on board about, uh, I guess it was about eight or nine months later, we are on our way and we moved to North Africa. Wow. So how many years have you been married? 41. Congratulations. Wow. 41. That's great. And at the time that you surrendered and said yes we can get let's do this i god's moving in my heart did you have children at that time or was this before children came along we had two children so when we went to north africa um they were 11 and 7 mm. and <clears throat> within a few years we added the third mm. so. wow were your kids excited to go were they nervous to go was it an adventure for them so when we left our little town in in north carolina uh to head out to to richmond where they have a training center that um, that they get you sort of prepared before you go they were all weeping and i was going guys i know you're really sad to go right now but in oh, a few years yeah. i think you'll be glad that we did mm-hmm. yeah yeah and, and that came true yeah. So is your third one, is he dual citizenship? Uh, no, she, um, in the country she was born in, you can't be a dual citizen. You would either be one or the other. So. so have you been working in missions ever since that time? Uh, yes, we have had varying roles. We went into this North African country mm-hmm. um, as church planters. And I wasn't sure exactly what that means, but um, it was a great time to get to be the first representatives of Southern Baptists in that country. You were the very first in that country? How yes. exciting. A couple, six weeks later, another family joined us. So we weren't all alone, but um, and there were other workers there as well. But um, it was an exciting time because we, um, when we arrived there, we knew of like seven or eight um, believers who gathered to worship on um, Out of together. about 10 million people. Oh. oh, wow. Now, there were had been more believers in that country, but many of them had um, left the country mm-hmm. or were no longer gathering together. So it was an exciting time, especially as God gave John a, a special project to work on. Uh, and that was to get the Jesus film in that local language. So we got to be part of uh, 
of that happening and that country being um, filled. So you remember when um, we were getting the, trying to, to talk to people about getting it in the local dialect. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, you know, it's like high Arabic versus what people speak. And so we were walking through and we were trying to say, well, you know, you need to have the gospel in an accessible language. Mm-hmm. And we kept talking and talking and talking about that. And finally, uh, this guy named Muhammad, um, we call him Petit Muhammad. He's a little short guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, oh, I get it. You want to have this in a language that my mother could understand. Because, see, ladies didn't really have a lot of education and mm-hmm. a lot of things like that. And so it, that was one of the special points of, of learning about how to get the gospel translated in a way that people could understand it and spoken in a way people could understand it. Of course, all of this we had to do, we had to construct a, a, a studio in sort of a makeshift kind of way because it wasn't like a thing that was uh, sanctioned by the government or anything like that. So, okay. You know, so we, what is the persecution like there? What is it? Is it pretty heavy? Well, right now, were? actually... <clears throat> Uh, the gospel is going forth. You know the, that particular country mm-hmm. is is where the sort of the Arab Spring began, and and uh, God's just given a sort of unusual favor right now, and so they're really seeing. So the the church has really multiplied a lot there since uh, over the last twenty six years or so. Oh, that is so exciting! Wow. So, what was the impact with the Jesus film? Well, one of the things is just being able to get it in a language where people can understand um, and with that kind of accent. Uh, so it'd be sort of like getting, if you spoke Spanish and the gospel was in Latin, bringing it into Spanish. Or if mm-hmm. you were, spoke English and maybe the gospel was in French and you're trying. So when it, it opened up, lots of people... Um, I think really benefited. Our son uh, lives in Europe and uh, has uh, had one of a group of people from North Africa at his church not too long ago. And uh, one of the young ladies from that country got up and told everybody, said, "Well, thank you for for being the kind of people that they give out these uh, Bibles and other things that uh, in Jesus films." As we're as people would go in the summer times, they cross the Mediterranean going home, and uh, and uh, she said, "My dad brought one home," and and that warmed wow. our heart. And so that was the first time that uh, she got to hear the gospel was through those kind of things. Oh my goodness, that's amazing! So tell us um, about your work with the International Mission Board currently. Mm-hmm. Well, our, our job is to provide leadership support for our workers around the world. Um, and um, we have the privilege of, of supporting part of the work that your church does um, because your church works through the International Mission Board. Mm-hmm. And, a cooperative program, that's yeah, right. cooperative program and that Lottie Moon Christmas offering that's and right. those kind of things. That That's how we go. And... Um, and so that's our, our role. We provide 
sort of overall leadership in that area now for the last six and a half years. Um, Tom Elliff, some of you people mm -hmm. in your area might know him. He, he, uh, he asked us to come and work alongside of him um, when he was our president. And we've sort of stayed the same, even though he left us and, and went on. And, uh, but uh, we still love Tom. He's quite a quite a good friend, and uh, and so that's what we do. We we work with that. But we've started, uh, you know, as just um, right on the front line, uh, working with uh, people in North Africa, and then we worked with people across Northern Africa and the Middle East, and it's been a been an amazing journey for us. And since we came to Richmond. Um, we not only see the small part of the world that we had been in before, but now we get to see what God's doing all around the world. And it's really exciting to um, talk with someone and they're telling me about their challenge or about something the Lord is doing. And the, and the next location we go to, usually someone there has a similar challenge, mm -hmm. and so all I have to do is remember the last story I was told, say, hey, you need to talk to this person in this other country that you don't even know, but God has answered her in an amazing way, and it just, mm -hmm. it's a way of encouraging people, so I guess what my role is, is to follow John around and hopefully help him remember all the things he said he will do. <laughs> Keep the list. Hope I don't lose it. And also share encouraging stories with the next person that God yeah. leads me to. So has like sign language doing. done anything else with you since then? Since you got started? Oh, it's been exciting to watch our deaf affinity because they are putting the scriptures into stories that wow. um, that can be um, translated easily into the varying sign languages around the world. Oh, so neat. So, so the, cool. you know, there's over 200 different types of sign languages around the world, but at the core of it is what is known as sign roots. So uh, we have uh, a whole... A group of people who work with that all around the world, and and um, the deaf people in the world are sometimes a forgotten group for that sure. need to hear mm -hmm. about the gospel. Mm -hmm. And if nobody is signing the good news of Jesus to them, they may never hear or know about Jesus. So it's really amazing that that's something God's woven in. And I want to say one of the things you just said about how you see God answering prayers as you meet someone from one country to the next and he allows you to help them connect to share how he's comforted and helped the struggles resolve in their life that that's what you're doing tonight too is that your story is reaching listeners that are out here just hearing what God is doing and, and I would love to ask you would you share with us an example or two of times that you knew God specifically moved on behalf of someone that you were talking with or praying with and you could see God's hand at work. Just things that are happening all around the globe. We would love to hear. Yeah, so what are some things that are going on around the globe, missions-wise? Well, I just like talking about the deaf, just to continue that a little bit. Uh, you know, there's two types of sign language. There's sort of like, 
ASL, which English, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a lot of times they're spelling English. out uh, a word. But then there's, so like if you, if you start to do Jesus in ASL, mm-hmm. you take your finger and you make sort of a J sign. But if you're doing it in real sign, you do this. The for fingers the, on the palms. For the mm-hmm. crucified one. And so well, we have uh, a number of people who are deaf that, uh, that we're able to see. Good stuff. So when we were in uh, their meeting this summer, how did uh, how did all of that go? Did when they're talking, are they quiet? Or are they how are they how are they planning them their stuff? It's definitely not quiet. They're, <laughs> they're making sounds, and um, they some speak a little bit and read lips as well. So it's easy to communicate. It's amazing to me how we can communicate even if. I know zero signs, mm-hmm. except the one that they gave me, which is like my hair or something. <laughs> oh, that was the name for you? Yeah. They did a yeah. little hair a wave? wave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but we can communicate just that way. Well, it's also interesting that we just have, if somebody's really interested in seeing how that goes, if you go to... Deaf Go Bible. Um, it's a it's a a, uh, a website, and uh, I think now we have 749 uh, web uh, sign stories on that. It's based here in the U.S., but we're also seeing it in about uh, I think 11 or 12 other deaf languages, and so that's been fun to see how it goes. Just to tell you how that works, Jenny and I were in. Uh, northern Ethiopia and uh, we went out to a deaf group and you know sometimes deaf people are sort of shunned and they're put off to the side and uh, when we went in you remember where that was in that little that little room that we went in it was sweet Um, the lady there our worker there said that many of those children had not had a name before and so um, they gave them a deaf name, a signed mm-hmm. name. A sign. And um, she was also, um, they were using a flannograph to tell the, tell the story. And then one of the girls got up and told the story. So the story well. was about the rich man and Lazarus. Mm-hmm. And so a, a young man, um, maybe about 16 or so, Simon was his name. He uh, he told the story of that rich man and Lazarus and all that. And then we, then he asked if somebody would come. And this was the girl that she was talking about. She was a cover girl, and she must have been about his same age. And uh, she got up and she started talking and telling the story. And then when she came to Lazarus and the dogs, you know, she started elaborating in a way that all of a sudden you realize she was telling what it felt like to be like Lazarus and be less than the dogs because she had been pushed away and pushed out and uh, and she understood what it was like to get a just a crumb from the table uh, because not having the value that others. But in that whole time, as we're going through that, then... They came to the end, and Debbie, who was with us there, who was teaching them how to sign and helping them do and understand the Bible, she said, hey, uh, we want to finish up 
with a prayer. Who would pray? And a hearing father in the back said, my little girl. And, and so that little girl um, prayed. And, of course, they were voicing it for us. But she prayed. Um, how's that go? So, Jesus, you know, I know you love me. Yeah. And then I'm going to take um, Satan out of my heart and stomp him and stomp, yeah. stomp, stomp, stomp <laughs> and put Jesus in my heart. And um, uh, so she, and she was doing all the stomping. It was it was really cute. But then she ended her prayer. And Lord, like the rich man, may we not be. So um, we see that uh, she wants to share Jesus with everyone and not just keep and, it to And we realized at that moment, uh, particularly me, I realized I, I was more like the rich man because, you know, I probably have... 25 Bibles in my house. I don't know, maybe more, multiple languages. I got it on tape. I can mm -hmm. listen to it on my phone. I can do a, a million things. But they're just getting crumbs because for the first mm -hmm. time in history, they were getting the gospel into their language. And, and really, I'm a rich man. I have hundreds of ways to get the gospel. And really, is it fair for them not to even have one? So we've been working hard with, uh, that's one of the areas we've been working hard to be able to see these uh, people who have almost no opportunity to hear the gospel, hear the gospel. Sometimes we're so rich, we don't even understand that the gospel's that unique because we've heard it so long. Right, well. church on every corner kind of thing. And, uh, and we just think it's normal, but mm -hmm. it's not normal for most of the world. Right. I love it that your story shares that childlike faith of that sweet little girl and you know the Lord tells us in his word that he wants us to come to him with childlike faith mm -hmm. and that her simply saying I want to take Satan out of my heart and I want Jesus in my heart and that's really in a nutshell that's why Jesus came Right. So we could have him in our heart and have eternal life with him. It's pretty beautiful. Yeah. And and I think that's been one of the things that Jenny has worked with. She's an encourager, and uh, she goes to lots of places, and and uh, that is one of the things that she does. Uh, one of the, one of the most encouraging uh, stories we've had the privilege of walking alongside lots of people, but in our early days of being in and leadership over our work in Northern Africa and the Middle East. Uh, uh, we had work in the Arabian Peninsula, and um, uh, we had a hospital there. And, um, and the hospital had come under lots of attack. As a matter of fact, um, three of our people were killed there. And probably anybody who wants to look it up can see about the Chippewa Baptist Hospital. But after that attack, it was interesting. This, uh, this lady came into a place where we were helping out people who couldn't afford the work in the hospital. And her name in English means the covering of God. And uh, she came in, but she was a little resident, resonant to be able to talk to the people there because her father-in-law was probably one of the most uh, ardent 
opposers of the of the hospital and the gospel going out. As a matter of fact, he built uh, a, a place, a masjid, right across with the big loudspeakers and everything. And uh, I remember the first time I heard those loudspeakers go off, you know, sort of it rattled your feelings. Uh, and you're in, but uh, but she was resonant in there. But she came in and and she was in need um, because her husband uh, had just died and her father-in-law had just sort of forsaken her and her kids. And uh, the folks there began to to help her. And then uh, one of our our workers there, uh, Lisa was her name. Um, she was able to share the gospel with her, and and Citrella came to know the Lord in an amazing way. Uh, and probably one of the most amazing moments, uh, and I was sitting there talking to her uh, one time, and she was telling me about when uh, she had been taken to the police station, and because the, somebody had accused her of being uh, going out and disturbing people's peace by sharing... Um, propaganda about uh, Islam and about uh, and telling people about Jesus and uh, and so they had taken her to the police station and they put her underneath the floor in a, in a sort of a holding cell had no lights no windows she said uh, that she could hear the scurrying of little animals the hyenas in that place and she said as she was sitting there and the darkness was coming on her she could just feel that pressure coming on but then all of a sudden she just had this uh, inspiration, and uh, and she began telling uh, this, uh, uh, telling me of this song God gave her, and it began Nuri, my light, and she goes on and talks about how God is becoming her light, and how her hands, or her life, were in His hands, and how He was the one who she was going to trust for anything that might come her way. As a matter of fact, she knew that if the people who had placed her there, they were in his hands and that he would take care of her and might deal with them. And uh, after about 12 or 13 hours, she said, they came and they were taking her out. And she said, the, the lady who was covered, and actually uh, you could only see her eyes, she said she had a, the lady who was sort of like the matron over the women who were in uh, custody there had a tear in her eye and she said I'm not against you you know that and uh, she just was sort of surprised and she went in and after a little bit the uh, the head of the of the police there said uh, we'll take you home and it was a seven mile ride back through the mountains and her brother was there as well and they got in the car and um and the man said to her, said, I want you to come to my house sometime. And she said, uh, Lesh, why? And um, he said, you see, my daughters are afraid of the jinn, and they won't even go out. What's jinn? Jinn are the demons that, you know, that, that go around. And, uh, you know, we have a genie in a bottle. We think it's a, okay. it's a nice thing. But jinn are also very fearsome and frightful things for people in, in, in that part of the world. And said, and I believe if you would come and teach her your song, they wouldn't be afraid anymore. Wow. So, you know, God, God has ways of going and carrying the gospel into some pretty amazing places. And, and women um, 
are often very cut off, like the deaf people, from being able to have access to to the truth of the gospel, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's there or whether it's in any number of other places around the world. Well, before we close this conversation, I wanted to ask Jenny, has there been a time that things were in a trial for you? Um, you may just think of an example of a, a time God came through for you and how he answered your prayers in a way that you knew this was God and he did this for me. Um, would you share with us a time in your life that was frayed, like afraid not? Well, I'm thinking about most times in my life, or, um, most of the times in my life are frayed. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking God is answering every day, all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. But one of those things is that it's so easy to let Satan convince you that you are worth worthless and that you really don't have a role. And um, there have been several times that God just sort of shook me up. Um, there I was early on living in first in that North African country, mm-hmm. and then we were living in England, and after that we moved into a Middle Eastern country. And along that journey, we heard an Arabic woman from a Christian background explain about Arabic society. Um, usually we're thinking that the men are in control and that um, all of that, but she explained that really it's a matriarchal society in a way because of the influence that the women have on their sons. And I began to realize that even though I had been in a place where I thought it doesn't matter what women do because the men are the ones mm-hmm. who are in control and that if it would they would be the ones that would have to come to faith in order for the women to come to faith so that's what was making me feel that maybe I don't have a role here mm-hmm. or something God uh, woke me up and I audibly heard the number 34 and then I heard it multiple times. And I'm like, um, so I, after I hadn't slept from 2.30 to 4.30 a.m., hearing 34, I thought, well, why not try Psalm? And Psalm 34 spoke to me. Um, and I heard God say to me, your problem is you're not looking at the right thing. You're looking for your own worth and exactly what I want you to do. And what I want you to do is bless the Lord at all times. And then way on down in the psalm, it says, watch your tongue, keep your tongue from evil. And um, several of the verses down through there spoke to me. And from that, I began to realize that women in the Arab world are very important. And it's very important for us to um, be talking with other women Mm -hmm. about faith in Jesus. And that leads me to um, 
a challenge that I would love to give everyone. You know, um, Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Go into all the world. And a long time ago I heard that I don't know the Greek well or anything, but I understand that it can be said as you are going. And so as we are going here in the U.S., going around our daily lives, the Lord has brought people from every culture right here. Right. And one of those people who came from the country that I lived in in the Middle East came as a student with the question in her heart and mind, don't all roads lead to heaven? Isn't Christianity and Islam the same? Aren't we all going to heaven? It's just two paths to get to the same place. So as she entered her graduate studies here in the U.S., she was determined to find an answer to that question. So she went into a Catholic church. That didn't solve anything for her. She studied English, the preparatory English classes, before she could go into her master's and her Ph.D. program. And that teacher was a believer, and he invited the class to his home for a conversational English and a game night. Well, my friend went straight to the kitchen with his wife and asked her question. Don't all roads lead to heaven? Well, this lady had been preparing to answer that question for 10 years. She knew a little bit of Arabic. She knew lots of culture and how to answer. And she was able to explain to her right there, all the way from creation to the cross. And my friend says, that's it. That's what I've been looking for all my life. And so my challenge to you is, every covered person you see, they may possibly have that same question. So be prepared to be a friend, to love, to develop relationships, and to answer. And, to, and give, give them time to ask you the question so that you can share Jesus Christ with them. That's beautiful. Wow. So you kind of learned that actually going to the women and ministering to them, they had such influence over their sons, too, that going through the women influenced the males in the culture as well. Well, actually, when um, 9-11 happened, mm -hmm. there was so much sadness in the world around that event. Um, the question came to me, what? If someone had shared Jesus Christ with Osama bin Laden's mother, would oh. the world be a different place today? Wow. So. That's beautiful. We have a responsibility. We do. Mm -hmm. We have a privilege that God has given us. And it won't happen without friendships and love. Wow. wow. <laughs> On that note... So thank you so much. Wow. That's, a, that's a, perfect. That's exactly what we needed to hear today.
Thank you so much for coming, Jenny and John. We're honored that you would share your time with us and with our listeners. And we pray that God will use this conversation a hundredfold. So thank you for being here. Well, listeners, we were having goosebumps (laughs) just sitting and listening to John and Jenny and especially the story that Jenny ended with today was the kind of thing that goes straight to the heart to help us remember what the purpose of our life is. It's truly so much more than our day-to-day mundane things and washing the dishes or going to work. It's such a bigger picture. She said um, from Matthew 28, 19 and 20 that her study Bible had the version of the words being not just go and make disciples, but that the words of the scripture, as she read them, said, as you are going. So as we are going, we are to make disciples. As we are going about our day, driving to work, stopping at the grocery store, as we are in the meetings, the the times that we don't even think are going to make a difference in our life, that may be the moment that God wants us to share as we're going, make disciples. And one of the things that she said was, you never know when God is going to use what he's prepared you to share. So we need to always be ready for what we're supposed to be sharing with people around us. Thanks again for listening. We hope you rate and review and subscribe. And we will see you again in a few weeks. Thank you. Thanks for listening.